1: G'day and welcome to the call 10 stocks picked by you two experts one hour it is Thursday the 11th of January I'm Andrew Gagan great that you can join us here at Ausbiz now two experts on the show today Joshua Barker from Macro Capital and Luke Winchester from Meriwether Capital welcome to both of you happy new year Um, Luke it's uh, looks a bit of a mugs game, isn't it, uh, forecasting? Uh, but I'm going to ask you anyway, what's <laughs> 2024? What are your expectations given obviously on the equity market we have had a hard you know, run up uh, towards the end of the last year, has come off a little. But how are you feeling generally? What's the mood, what's the sentiment you're, uh, you're getting?
0: Mm. Um, Cautiously optimistic, Andrew, Um, and I think that probably changes a little bit where you look. Um, Some pockets of the market, you know, ran quite hard at the back end of last year or sort of have been elevated for quite a while. And you'd want to sort of be careful around those those areas. But, you know, certainly a a lot of um, there's been a lot of commentary and, and a lot's been said about the underperformance of small and micro caps, primarily where I play um, and the potential for for those spaces to rebound strongly into 2024. And look, I mean, you know, at the risk of being a barber telling people to get a haircut, I, I tend to agree. I think if if the economic conditions as we currently see them can hold up, which is you know rates slowly find their way back down as inflation cools and and that cost of capital normalises. And you know we're not seeing huge shocks to unemployment, retail spending still okay. Um, so I, I think if that all holds up, you would see confidence trickle back down to, to you know the areas of the market where I like to play, and, and share prices still very much beaten down. So it creates those opportunities. And yeah, you know, New Year uh, you always want to be optimistic, and that's certainly how I'm feeling right now
1: yeah i can see a bit of a broader smile on some of those uh, small cap fundies so obviously you are among them given the pain <laughs> that has been suffered over the past That's couple right. of years uh josh i actually caught up with you earlier didn't i just as yeah. far as your, you know you what you're looking for particularly in the longer term more mm. than just this year but uh, perhaps further ahead now, how do you view mm. the small caps area at the moment
2: yeah as a sort of overall um asset allocator, we've you know, for the last year um, sort of aired on the side of larger companies. So Uh, using the U.S. as an example, um, we we looked to capitalise on those fang stocks or, you know, the Magnificent Seven or, you know, the top 10 holdings that are over there. Um, But obviously, they were the first to reach their highs and then you sort of want to trickle down the market cap. So doing a bit of research into, you know, something like the Russell 2000, which is, you know, the uh, air quote small caps in in the U.S., average size of about a billion. So might be a a slight different definition to Aussie small caps. But, um, you know, know the PE on on, uh, the Russell 2000 is around 12 um, whereas on the S&P 500 overall the larger companies it's around 24 so you know the earnings are still strong uh, and you'd expect that to play play a bit of catch-up anyway too so yeah I agree
1: all right so yeah perhaps some better days ahead if you're investing in the small cap space or of course we're looking more broadly here on the call so Let's get into it uh, with our stock of the day, and this one is... Well, in fact, just before we get there, let's uh, run through what we're going to take a look at. The first five it would be RPM Global, National Storage REIT, Washington 8 sol Pets, Pilbara Minerals, and IPH. So yeah, our stock of the day is Pinnacle Investment Management, uh, has been one of the best performers this morning. On the ASX, on uh, its outlook, which saying it's cautiously optimistic about the second half of fiscal 24, has since actually come back since the open and opened with a bang. There, um, Josh, when you take a look at Pinnacle, it was formerly uh, Wilsons Group, uh, financial services, investment management. Um, it's has been a difficult space. How do you look at? Mm. Well, let's start specifically with Pinnacle and Maps, get your view more broadly on investment managers yeah
2: so today's announcement was just a brief market update kind of highlighting some numbers that they're going to rake in from their performance fees so expected to receive uh, 12.3 million um, from their various funds and I think one, one positive on today's announcement was the variation that they've got within their funds. Um, So they've got the ability to sort of outperform depending on, um, you know, and get those performance fees depending on which asset class does well. So I think that's a positive that you can take. And I think obviously the headline number, getting those inflows, um, through through performance fees is you know something that's fairly rare with the fund manager space at the moment. Um, however, it has given up a lot of those gains. Got off to a flying start. They mentioned towards the back end of the uh, update, they spent a lot of money sort of in in tech. Um, so they they sort of worked uh, on the Open Invest platform, which is both management platform essentially. Um, seems really interesting, but unfortunately um they've had to do a write-off which is you know effectively accounting term for losing money uh, they've put sort of over three million dollars into it and it's rough value is 240 grand at the minute so you know expenditure in tech and uh the fintech space specifically um you know somewhat uh, evaporates a bit of that profit that they're going to get from the performance fees so um I'm, perhaps that's why we're seeing the volatility there's, there's positives and negatives in in today's announcement Broadly, we've, we've steered away from, from fund managers, um, obviously in a tough market, they're uh, benefiting from performance fees. Obviously, if the market doesn't reach a higher watermark, they're not gonna get those performance fees uh, over the last couple of years. And then obviously a downgrade in personnel and it sort of all flows on through there. So it's not something we've looked at and I think even moving forward uh, may struggle and be a little bit behind the trend of the market. Market boosts, obviously that impact will flow through to these fund managers um, but um, it's not it's not an immediate benefit it's going to flow through over maybe six or 12 months so uh, yeah not a space that we're overly uh, interested in being in at the minute. All right, if you held it those, are worthwhile holding on to it, do you think? I think it's worthwhile holding on to if, if you've experienced. It's a really strong performer in a bull market, as, yep. as we've seen over a sort of 10-year period. Um, and it's really just consolidated sideways after such a great movement. So I don't think you're necessarily too concerned about your position. So I'd be happy to hold. Good one. Luke, your view on Pinnacle.
0: I agree with that. I think it's a hold as well. Um, The consolidation sideways basically mirrors the fundamentals of the business, even though, you know, the broader market and for a lot of other listed fund managers globally, it's been a very tough time, particularly with farm outflows, um, headlined by Magellan, of course. Um, These guys have basically gone sideways. Um, And it's a testament to the way Pinnacles run. They have investments in a range of different fund managers and they spread that across asset classes, geographies and also size. And so they do their job well. Then you know, it's a business that can sort of weather those storms as generally speaking some asset classes um, will outperform even in tougher times for others so, um, you know, you read the announcement today, again I think Josh has, has summed it up quite well which is that headline performance fee uh, returning quite strongly, um, you know Pinnacle will recognise about $12 million um, to them as, as a share of their, their ownership in the fund managers um, last year that was about $1 million. so you can see, you know, strong recovery there and of course they sort of tempt that with, uh, as Josh pointed out, a write down in, in a tech investment they'd made, flag some higher costs, and also they've got some debt, which now some higher interest rates are starting to bite into that a little bit. So. Look, I think, you know, the announcement is sort of business as usual and, and the share price reflects that uh, the market. The market is probably front run uh, a return to performance fees, given the performance of the market over the last couple of months. Um, and they highlighted that I think eight of their affiliates were crystallized in this period, but the uh, the full 25, are, you know, within a COE of their high watermark, if not above it already, and have the chance to crystallize performance fees in the second half of the year. So um, currently trading on 26 times earnings. I think that's factored in, um, but it's it's pretty uh, easy hold here for me given the you know, the quality of the business and, and the job that this team's done of, as I said, building out a business can weather the storms of a normal uh, fund manager.
1: Okay, that is the view on Pinnacle, a double hold. From our experts, all right, let's get into the ones as picked by you. The first stock picked by Shabir, it is RPM um, Global, ticker code RUL. Shabir's asking, it looks like the stock was taken out of uh, the AusBiz fantasy portfolio or the, uh, from the call and the share price has moved sideways. Are you still bullish on the stock? Well, of course, that's not a decision that you two guys made. Nonetheless, in fact, um, we had a strong run up as we did with the market in December for RPM Global. Um, it is in software licensing, consulting, implementation and support uh, and training services in the lab. Uh, coal and and gas testing space. Luke, what's your view?
0: Well, if I've got my timeline of events right, Andrew, I I think the committee took this out and then Claude and I were on early um, in December and sent it straight back to them with a double buy. Um, And my opinion hasn't changed too much, which is, I think this is a really well-positioned small cap stock. Um, So it's it's software in that mining space, um, you know, and, and does quite well in that sort of niche, I suppose, industry. Um, But what really got me excited and just sort of regurgitating some of the notes from only a month ago, because not a great deal has changed, Um, they've really started to inflect through that point where you see uh, incremental revenue really fall through to the bottom line. So the example I gave was in the the last update, um, they, they did an extra $15 million of revenue. And of that $15 million, eight and a half fell through to their operating profit. So that's the sort of scalability that can only come from a software business. Um, and it's good to see that, that RPM Global has now sort of hit that point where you, you see that leverage really start to come through. And of course, what that means is that optically high PE ratio, I think it's still around 60 odd times earnings, um, drops quite quickly just because of how quick those profits can scale as, as that incremental revenue falls down. So um, I had it as a buy, um, you know, basically a month ago. As I said, not much has changed. The price has moved a little bit. I think it was $1.50. It's now $1.70. You know, the, the way I invest is certainly more on that medium long term thing. So, um, you know, while it would be nice to to grab that that little bit extra, it hasn't changed it uh, too much from my point of view. So it's still a a buy for me on RPM Global.
2: Yep. All right. Um, Josh, what are your thoughts? Um, Yeah, we like mining services at the moment towards the sort of you know, later stages or potentially could kick on this this commodity cycle. So I think mining services are a great way to play it. You know, this, this company seems like it's doing all the right things. Um, they've got strong customers. So I guess without having to understand the, the technology behind it too much for, you know, investors, you know, their customers include, you know, BHP, South32, Whitehaven, Worley. So, you know, they're valuing it. Um, so it, it should be quite strong. One thing to note just around sort of the valuations and the share price um, is that they've been doing a quite a strong buyback. Uh, they've purchased around 15 million uh, worth of shares an average price of $1.55 um, and if you sort of see there on the chart of $1.55 and around that 50 mark uh, and even a touch lower has been pretty strong support for the company. Uh, now they've also outlined that that buyback is going to continue and they're going to extend that mm-hmm. out so company thinks it's still uh, undervalued even even at these uh, decent levels so uh, they're in an upgrade in guidance just recently is the most um, um, recent update: uh, It was about a three million dollar extra payment, which you know is only a three uh, percent increase in revenue. Um, however, it's it's about a twenty percent uptick in earnings. So it was something they hadn't accounted for due to it being uh, quite uncertain. But yeah, that's that's really uh, you know pushed through to them being quite profitable this financial year. So I've got this as a buy as well.
1: There you go. And Luke, it's a double buy again. So, um, <laughs> well, yeah, well, obviously, the Just investment keep- committee is going to consider it again. Yeah. All right, good one. Let's uh, move on to our second one then. This is National Storage REIT, picked by uh, Peter it, uh, well of course the REITs have been under pressure as we've seen uh, particularly you know where those interest rates have gone uh, as it uh, its label suggests it is the self storage provider there in um, mainly in Australia and New Zealand uh, some 231 centers in fact uh, did spend about 234 million on acquisitions in FY 23 um, but that sort of tailed off since uh, those high interest rates took hold of course Josh um I'll get you to talk about Mm. the REITs in general the A-REITs but let's start specifically with uh, national storage REIT.
2: Yeah so a bit of a niche REIT obviously yeah Um, it's the number one in the space here in Australia so its market share is about 17 percent the next competitor is Kennard's at at around 10 percent so if you're looking for a you know strong um, monopoly um, play or or number one in the space at the very least, this is great. Um, Revenues are up 18%, earnings up 12%. Um, I've mentioned this morning the the low gearing on rates and this is a good example of one. Uh, Their gearing at the moment is about 20% down from last year, 23. Uh, Their own gearing target rate is actually 25 to 30%. So uh, it was lower and they they chose to uh, take that lower again. It has been sideways for the last three to four years. Uh, A few of the REITs are. A few of the REITs are are sort of flat for the last year or even three years. Um, But some of them are doing really well. And this might be uh, somewhat of a first mover, uh, uh, you know, telltale sign. Goodman Group for the last 12 months is up 32%. Um, Stockland Group is up 19. So we're seeing some of them move, uh, you know, quite dramatically for that type of business anyway. Uh, And it's something we'd continue to see. Um, So I think, if you're after something a little bit more niche uh, in, in the rate space, obviously, you know, what they do is, is the um, actual uh, storage facilities, maybe with those pressures on, on the housing market, we all sort of downgrade and have smaller places uh, as a longer term trend. Uh, and that flows through to them longer term. But either way, I think it's a, a good run, well run business. Um, so I'd have it as a hold for now. Um, but I think there's uh, potentially, you know, other rates out there that you could look at for more of a direct exposure in to that yeah
1: such as so you, you mentioned Goodman so you're obviously favoring that
2: yeah I think Goodman is such a strong performer over the long term and industrial space and, and moving into that but also companies that are that are looking to add on that that building um, aspect so uh, Center Group potentially you know it's a top 50 name they've yet to have a run-up as uh, as much as those other ones so that could be one that that potentially plays catch up next
1: okay Luke, um, Josh makes a good point there. Actually, given um, you know the lack of, uh, well, we know the pressure that the um, housing market's under at the moment. Perhaps we're all running out of space. So, do you see some tailwinds here for uh, for national storage read?
0: Um Look, I think it's a nice space, um, and it's certainly a space the market is like being in that alternative. You know, you're not exposed to office retail. Um, even the more competitive industrial space, it's, it's that nice niche. Um, so it's held up better than a lot of peers. And I, I think Josh sort of hit on this towards the end of his comments, where if you're going to play the REIT space and the rebound in share prices as you know yields are falling and the expectation is that the the rate cycles peaked and and you know cuts are coming at some point in the future. I would probably look towards those more beaten down names. Um, and it's no no surprise to me when the the chart was flashed up before that uh, after holding up quite strongly, these guys really haven't bounced with the rest of the sector over the last couple of months. Um, on the fundamentals of the business, you know, five percent earnings yield, it's about that on a, on a um, distribution as well. Um, they've done a good job of increasing their their rates. They you know they they charge through to their customers. But the one sort of orange flag I noted is it just had a a steady decline in their occupancy um, pretty much since a peak back in um, mid-2022. So something to keep an eye on there. You know, you you don't want to see that deteriorate too much before it starts to impact the ability of those operating earnings and the distributions. Um, But otherwise, I I tend to agree with Josh. I I think it's a hold. And if you are looking to play the REITs as as a recovery, as a rebound, I'd look towards the ones that are a bit more beaten down. All right.
1: Let's now move to Washington Soul Pats. Uh, that is our third stock. It is uh, picked by Phil. It is, uh, well, in fact, the, the big news at the moment, I guess it's involved in that, we'll have the takeover offer for Perpetual and um, Perpetual having knocked back that uh, deal. So expectations perhaps that Soul Pats is gonna have to up that bid. So we'll see what develops obviously in the new year. Uh, so Luke what do you make of that deal and I guess more broadly what you're seeing with uh, Salt Pats at the moment
0: yeah, look, i suspect the deal doesn't go ahead. Um, but what it does signal is is what Solpats can do, you know, with a, a war chest of cash, $700 million, they can be really opportunistic and, and look to sort of um, pick apart some of these competitors, whether it be in financial services. We know their success they've had sort of in that mining and energy space. Um, but, but across a broad range of industry, these guys have a lot of experience. And as I said, they've got a, a lot of liquid capital ready to deploy at any opportunity. So um, um, you know, they're, they're probably one of a handful of, of companies on the ASX, Wesfarmers is maybe another that has that sort of capability, um, it really offers a, a differentiation. Um, as I said before, I tend to view things over the medium longer term and I think Solpats is one of those businesses where unless it's a really exuberant exuberant period in the market, it's almost always a, a nice long term buy. Um, as we sit here today, you know, trading on a, a market cap of about $11.7 billion, their net asset value is about 10.8 you know these guys are likely very conservative as well with their mark to market of their unlisted um, or their private assets Um, so to me I I don't think you are paying an excessive price for the business you'd love to get it closer to that net asset value of course but uh, it's not one that I would be super picky or choosy with Um, as I said I I think it's one you can bottom draw and hold for the longer term just with the the history of performance uh, distributions back to shareholders Um, you you know you can't you can't put a fault in in in, um, how management's executed here over the years so um, as i said as long as that price isn't crazy which right now it's not i think sole is always a good long-term buy all
1: right so that that's actually it is a buy then not as a, well it's, uh, you're speaking of a solid hold but you'd pick it up what now then
0: yeah, yeah i'd buy it now as yeah, i said okay. i mean the only, the only times you wouldn't buy it is when that that um, uh, premium to that net asset value is, is quite elevated which right now it's not i think it's quite reasonable and is a good entry point
1: yep okay Josh, your thoughts, and I guess you know, bearing in mind perhaps where it's likely to go with that bid for mm. a perpetual.
2: Yeah, I agree. In terms of uh, management delivering shareholder wealth, there's there's probably not much better on the ASX than, than Solpats over a long term. Um, you know, the the perpetual offer is interesting. Um, probably unlikely to, to to go through, as Luke mentioned, just because, you know, Perpetual has rejected it at those low prices. So I think it really just highlights, again, that um, decision making from management to find something like Perpetual that, that is really quite cheap at the moment on, on their view um, and, and look to capitalize on that. You know, the management have shifted into other areas as well. Um, so, you know, private credit, which is being more attractive at the minute. Um, they've still got, you know, their existing holdings in, in private equity, which is always a, a slight concern. Um, a few positions that they've looked to increase their allocation, such as ERIS resources. It's probably hurting their performance a little bit and we've sort of seen that. Um, you know, lack of outperformance from New Hope Coal, Um, you know, just sort of be sideways for a while. Um, Sort of slow their run a little bit, but yeah, definitely an accumulate. Um, You want to sort of pick this up when when it's quite cheap and obviously um, during fruitful times, it's going to do even better. And I think it really starts to accumulate these, you know, Cheap positions, like whether it's Eurus or whether it's perpetual, um, or even any other opportunities that the that the business sort of will go into. So I think if you're giving your money to you know the share price of this company, you can expect a, a return, increasing dividends constantly. Um, so yeah, I'd look to accumulate this one. Um, you know, try to get it as cheap as possible. It's easy to say, but uh, yeah, it's at a reasonable price at the moment. Uh, if it does show any weakness, uh, look to accumulate more. Yep, okay, that is a
1: very positive view then on Washington 8-Sol, pats, one of those stocks you stick in your bottom drawer and you do afford to, to leave it. All right, let's uh, now head into the resources sector, in particular lithium with the biggest one locally, Pilbara Minerals, uh, picked by Cameron. Um, with forecast, perhaps the lithium market has been under tremendous pressure. Uh, there are some further forecasts here that may well remain in surplus for... Several years to come, and that's obviously affecting the, the lithium price at the moment. And therefore, we have seen those lithium producers under extreme pressure, particularly over the past 12 months. But I mean, Pilbara obviously in a box position should it actually turn around. So, Josh, what are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, a um, couple of really good arguments for and against this one at the moment, which I think is probably reflected in the sideways share price. Um, Look, I'll preface it by saying that it's a quality lithium miner. It's producing, um, it is a a really good name, um, but it has struggled to break higher recently. The short interest is is a really interesting part about this company. The stock's 21% shorted, um, and that seems to be still increasing. So it's a very heavily uh, retail traded stock it's it's often you know one of the most um, traded stocks on a lot of retail platforms um, whereas institutions on the short side most likely uh, are betting that it's going to go down so one thing you need to be cognizant of you know it's still a mining company at the end of the day and the underlying commodity price will weigh on it um, price has gone from over 500,000 to under a hundred thousand um, so you can't ignore that But that being said, it is a good investment grade company. You know, it's getting strong revenues, getting strong earnings, dividends, which is more than you can say for a lot of lithium miners listed on the market and explorers. Um, So it's the number one position to have in your portfolio if you need a lithium name. It's going to pay you 7% yield in the meantime while you hold on to that future growth. Um, But I just don't think it goes up uh, in the short term. So maybe look to accumulate it around those dividends, maybe prior to a dividend or if it does get to a a price that you're happy with. Um, But yeah, you're not expecting it to return to those uh, recent highs while that short interest is so high and while the the lithium price remains low. Okay, so if you're in it, you stay there? I'd stay in it, yes, to get that get that yield, and I think eventually it will take off uh, in the years to come, um, and even accumulating it, you know, it, at least it's paying you to be in it. Just be cognizant of how many lithium names you've got in your portfolio. So this is number one; it's yep. the last to go. Um, there's plenty of others that probably should go. Yep. All right. So definitely a longer term play, Luke.
0: Um, I agree with Josh that this would be your pick if you wanted lithium exposure, um, no doubt about that. Um, and it's also like it's essentially a proxy for lithium on the ASX, as Josh points out, if you're an insto and you wanted quick liquid access to you know, a lithium name, um, and most of that is on the short side right now, the stock's over 20% short, which is crazy. Um, you know, um, Pilbara is basically the only one you can, you can play. So um, it does bounce around, certainly on the sentiment of lithium in general, other than that, you can't really fault what management's doing here. The things that they have have under their control, you know, production-wise, um, capital expenditure-wise, um, flicking through their latest prezo, all looks really good, and you know they're on track to, to you know bring another fifty percent production online over the next couple of years and shift further into that um, upstream chemical um, space. So um, look. I, I can't add much more than josh to be honest it, it's it's really hard to say given it is so reliant on the lithium price um i would suspect that the lithium price where it is today if it was to stay here or, or go lower um you know over the next sort of 12 24 months then pilbara will almost certainly be a lower price over that time frame um, i think the price today assumes some recovery in the lithium price or at least the price that pilbara are able to achieve sometimes they are a bit detached from that sort of um, it, it's a very um it's a very uh thin market the lithium spot market um, so look I, I would be wary of that and, and you probably have to have a view on what you think the commodity will do and I think most people and, and I probably tend to agree with that being an expert in the space is that given how sharp the sell-off's been you would likely see some bounce around here and it normalizes a little bit higher and Pilbara probably does okay so it'd be the lithium exposure I'd go for um, and it'd probably just be a hold for me today Andrew given the volatility of that underlying commodity
1: yep. All right, no surprise there, given what you just said. A double hold then for Pilbara. If you want to be in Lithium, that is the place to be. All right, let's round out the first half with a bit of an eclectic bunch, in fact. Um, This one being IPH. It's an intellectual property services. And uh, I think it's in about 25 countries at the moment, in fact. Recently acquiring Canadian uh, patent file aerobic for $124 And I guess the question is where the filing activity, what it's gonna do, it actually picked up, I think late last year, what's gonna happen in 2024. Luke, what do you think?
0: Yeah, look, I actually like this probably more than I expected to when when I took a look this morning. Um, as you said, it's it's spread across a range of countries, but realistically, Australia and Canada are the two that that you know require the most focus from investors. It's where the vast majority of earnings come from. Um, as you said, Australia has seen, as as an industry, that sort of patents filing decline a little bit. Um, one thing I noted, though, and, and I probably tend to agree with management here, is that um, they think there could be a strong tailwind as um, generative AI really takes over in the corporate space um, and the need to ensure you know um, IP and, and copyright protection. Uh, um, let alone the the patterns that can be driven through that AI itself. So, you know, we could we could start to see a turnaround in that broader industry space. What's really got the market worried when you look at that chart there is that even as Australian filings have declined, IPH has underperformed that. And so they've seen that market share slip. And despite management coming out sort of um, at the results last year and saying that a key focus for theirs was to sort of um, cease that that bleeding and really um, sort of stabilise that market share. At the AGM update first quarter, they said they're you know, continue to slightly underperform, although, you know, to their credit, a little bit better than what it was last year. Um what I think sort of salvages this this business here is the valuation. Um sixteen times earnings, an 80 to 90% payout ratio, very capital-like business. A lot of the revenue is quite recurring um as as filings run off and have to be refiled. And generally speaking, customers, once you're locked into a to an IP lawyer, you don't, you know, you don't go changing quite quickly. So it's it's a very steady business. Um, and that sees the them you know paying out somewhere around a six percent yield which i think is quite sustainable so um at this valuation i actually think it's interesting um you know it's, it's one that I, I i wouldn't go gung-ho in but but you know building a, a starter position around these prices and this valuation um the, the thing you would be monitoring is that that filings industry and seeing a turnaround there but if you you know if, if management's and that, that ai could potentially provide um you know another tailwind to the whole space and, and iph themselves um then you, know, you could very quickly see the share price bounce back to where it's been in the past around that $10 range. So um, on, on the slide, the valuation I think is starting to look interesting here, Andrew. So I'd give this one just a, a more speculative buy.
2: Okay. All right. Good one. Josh, do you agree? Um, The the business looks really strong so I think there's a couple things not adding up potentially in the share price. Um, You know we've seen what the ASX has put on eight or nine percent in the last couple of months from those lows uh, and this one has, has continued to decline so I don't think uh, I can ignore that just based on how, how sort of strong the revenues and earnings are growing for this business. It, it's doing 500 million in uh, revenues for 150 um, in, in earnings for only a $1.5 billion market cap company. So, yeah, I think that swimming against the tide is potentially um, you know sort of adding up. Obviously, Australia makes up about 60% of their revenues. Um, uh, market and, and that's declining. Their market share in that area is declining. One thing that could save them um, is the uh, IP uh, growth in China and that's something they're looking to target. Um, but again, that's, that's a big risk. I'd need to know more about the company, whether they're going to be able to fulfil on that. Tough market. Um, one other thing as well, they did have a cyber security incident. Maybe that's keeping the buyers out of it. You know, markets have dealt with Um, ASX listed companies that have had those pretty harshly lately but this is a company that holds IP data for patents and things like that so it's a little bit different it's it's almost everything that they have is is their information a little bit different to say Medibank getting access to their information so yeah look the buyers are just not coming in Um, I definitely want to wait I think in this market where there's so many really good opportunities um, you probably want everything to tick your boxes and then if you get it wrong then you know that's just part of the game. Um, If there's a couple things that are not quite adding up and a couple of warning signs then I think in in an abundant market like this you don't need to be in uh, you know maybe above average companies but not great companies Um, so I'd actually have this one as a sell. All right okay we've got uh,
1: differing opinion there and then of course does make a market. So that is IPH. Let's uh, sum up where we've been for the first half of the show. Beginning around that stock of the day, of course, which was uh, Pinnacle on its uh, updated positive uh, outlook for the second half of fiscal 24 and uh, has been one of the better performers on the local market today as a result. Uh, Josh, look, he's not really interested in this space in uh, in fund managers. I oh, always see the pain that they have suffered recently. Uh, and uh, But he said, if you're there, then this would be a hold. Uh, also a hold there from Luke uh, noticing that uh, those performance fees have been recovering, in terms of the stocks as picked by you, the first one being RPM Global, which uh, is in our uh, uh, fantasy portfolio, and uh, Luke noting, look, it's well positioned. He's had a buyer before, and he maintains that it is a buy. Also a buy there from Josh. Um, seeing that mining services looking positive at the moment national storage REIT. REITs of course also being uh, under pressure and uh, Josh does have a hold on NSR uh, pointing that well uh, earnings up 12% revenue up 18% uh, but I guess he's saying if you want to be in REITs does perhaps prefer Goodman and Centre Group and Luke saying look he's just a little concerned there appears to be some declining occupancy there, so that's one to watch as far as National Storage readers concerned, he has a hold on the stock. Uh, in terms of Washington Soul Pats, the uh, the third stock we took a look at there. Um, Luke making the, per- the point, it's a long term. buy. Uh, of course we have got this pending, well it's been rejected. Uh, the the uh, its offer for perpetual, and uh, both of the opinion that it's unlikely to go through. Uh, Luke's at a buy on it, and Josh and accumulates uh, looking to pick it up at a cheaper price. Pilbara Minerals, obviously lithium stocks have been under tremendous pressure, but both making the point, if you want to be in lithium, this is the place to be. So it is a double hold. And just finally there, IPH in intellectual property, a, uh, a specky buy there from Luke, and uh, a sell from Josh, you just a little wary there. All right. Let's catch up with our portfolio, see how it is tracking, which is picked by our investment committee. The latest episode of that is live here to watch at osbiz.com So checking in on the update going into December, we had new buyers, ResBet, Car Group, Johns Ling, among those that were bought, West Farmers, RPM Global and MA Financial were in fact sold off. So let's see how it is tracking. 182 higher on a cumulative return basis since its inception March 2022 of course we saw that a lot of those gains made in the past month or two so keep your uh, requests coming in and keep the call switched on to see which stocks our committee will be looking at next and next we're going to take a look at Sightminder made a Nanasonic's Arena Reet and Helia. So let's begin with SiteMinder. It's a software platform that, uh, well, is there for hotels and uh, online management there, uh, small accommodation also. And uh, obviously, like we've been through COVID, so that affected the business. Um, Josh, tell us more then your thoughts on SiteMinder.
2: Yeah, so you've just been listed on the market for a couple of years, slipped back on a uh, you know, pretty, pretty large IPO, which was not uncommon over the last couple of years. Uh, it's recovered um, to be above its IPO price, so I think that's a, a really good sign, um, probably means that the company's ticking some of the boxes they did uh, for their IPO prospectus and probably didn't raise on too lofty valuation as well. Um, revenues are up 70% uh, on, on the previous year, so that obviously always helps. Uh, I think it's a really good business. Um, doesn't seem like it's uh, necessarily high barriers to entry. They've got 40,000 hotel customers that, that pay that sort of monthly fee. I think it's around 100 to $200 um, per, per month. Um, and obviously takes takes uh, care of all of their bookings and increases the overall bookings for the business. So yeah, B2B businesses that, that have that really strong performance um, with their customers, I think, Will always do quite well, and obviously, if it's continued to be in demand, if we're going to avoid this, you know, fearful recession and you know, cost of living pressures that seem seemingly was non-existent over Christmas period, um, then I think this company will be totally fine. So, um, it's probably not something that we typically um, look at or, or recommend to, to our clients, being a little bit smaller and newer on the market, but um, would not be adverse to having this as a buy.
1: Did it take advantage, I mean obviously listed what, a couple of years ago, but did yeah. it take advantage of that, of the, you know, uh, the travel? Yeah, well,
2: it's a, it's an online um, platform, so, you know, the the physical um, travel agents shutting down probably um, skewed business towards these guys. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, they're, in, they're in a good space. I don't think that's coming back. I don't think people need to go into a store anymore to book a flight or a mm-hmm. hotel. Um, so, yeah, I don't think that will be evaporated or anything like that either.
1: Yep. Sorry, what was your call on stock? Ah, uh, buy. It is a buy. Yep. yep. Okay, look.
0: Um, not one I'd ever looked at too closely, Andrew. Um, it's expensive, about eight times ARR. Now, to be fair, that's growing quickly. Um, they're targeting a, a medium-term growth rate of about thirty percent. So, you compound that out for three to five years, and and you know that valuation comes down quite quickly. Um, and and their underlying SaaS metrics look pretty good as well. You're seeing that that lifetime customer value ticking up as churn comes down, and also the cost to acquire a customer coming down as well, which it's quite impressive because a lot of times with these software businesses, um, when you win those early customers, they're often the easiest ones to win. They're most sort of um, receptive to your product and, and, and easy to get across the line. And then you normally see that cost to acquire go up as you have to spend more or, or, or work harder to, um, to then get those incremental customers across. So um, probably no surprise the market's willing to pay up for the growth and the SaaS metrics here. Um, They have about 40,000 hotel customers. Now, I was trying to find what their addressable market looks like. I I sort of struggled to sort of um, get an idea of what that could be. There's, um, you know, several million hotels around the world, but how many of them are applicable to SiteMinder? And uh, my proxy in the end was to look at how many hotels are on booking.com, figuring that if they're on booking.com, you know, they could be a, a SiteMinder customer and they have about 800,000. So, you know, 5% call it of a potential addressable market. That's just me spitballing. But, um, you know, it gives them plenty of runway to keep growing here. And, and, and with those metrics and that growth certainly supports that into the future. So I would have it as a hold purely on the valuation. I mean, eight times ARR, we, we rarely see that, you know, post uh, 2022. That's a, that's a 2021 valuation right there. But um, I, I understand why the market is a bit excited here. Um, the metrics certainly support, you know, an elevated valuation compared to some of those um, software peers, but eight times is a little bit too much for me. But have it as a hold, I wouldn't be selling just given, um, as I said, software businesses that have that traction and that growth. They can just scale so quickly, which um, go back to RPM Global before SiteMinder getting around that inflection point, too. So it could be quite exciting over the next few years.
1: Yep. OK, good one. That is SiteMinder. Let's now get back into mining services with Meta. um, Maintenance Services, specialised contract labour, particularly heavy machinery and the like, uh, has knocked uh, out some strong organic growth in North America. Luke, what's your take?
0: Yeah, look, these guys have been fantastic since listing. Um, you know, uh, in that mining services space, they offer repairs and maintenance for for heavy machinery. Now, what their value add to customers really is is, um, you know, by being the the broadest possible offering. So they they sort of go to a customer and say, we can service all range of vehicles or machinery you may have. We can do it quicker, we can do it cheaper, we can do it at scale and it, it sort of makes life easier for these big miners and, and contractors where instead of having to engage specialist uh, maintenance and repair people for certain vehicles or certain makes and models, you made a group able to come in and say, we do everything and um, as I said, can do it quicker and cheaper. Um, so the value proposition makes a lot of sense. That supports the growth they're seeing. I mean, what's really got the market excited is um, the expansion into the U.S. Is, is really kicking goals for these guys. Um, you know, 164% revenue growth year on year now, admittedly off a small base, but nonetheless. Um, anytime you're seeing a business like this doing triple digit growth in that more heavy, heavy industry space, it says that they've got a really nice sort of go to market um, proposition for their customers. Um, Look, a bit like SiteMind, and the valuation's the only thing I can poke a hole in. Um, even with the growth moving forward, it's about twenty-six times earnings. Yeah, they're forecasting twenty-seven percent revenue growth. So, assuming that margins sort of stay stay static and, and fall to the bottom line, on on that sort of price to price to earnings growth ratio, it's actually not too bad. Um, but again. These cyclical, bit capital intensive businesses. When you start to get above 25 times earnings, that's where I start to balk a little bit, Andrew. Um, like Sightminder, though, I will say it's a hold purely on how well they've executed. As I said, I think management have really nailed the culture of this business and how they go to market and, and sort of pitch to customers. Um, and it's one that I think you could look back in three to five years and, and even from this valuation have compounded at a decent level. Um, but but you just got to be a little bit careful given the cyclicality. Um, so I'll say a hold. Mm,
1: okay, all right. Well, Josh, uh, you said previously you're fairly positive on mining services. How do you view this one then?
0: Yeah, this one is
2: fundamentally really strong. It's you know had phenomenal consistent growth, um, and it, that's expected to continue. Um, so yeah, revenues and earnings are sort of expected to. Grow by you know 20 to 30% over the next each year uh, over the next four or five years, um, but again that valuations is getting quite high. So there's a there's a small warning um, just even on the chart here. For example, it sort of opened up um, back in September at around $7.50 and then lost 20% of its value out of nowhere. So and that was post dividend. You know you can start to see that it's yet to recover those marks. So. Uh, what that's sort of telling us is that potentially could be a, a short term um, over the next couple of years top for the stock and, and that, that uptrend, um, which is pricing in all this great news and you know the expansion into other markets, it's already sort of pricing that in quite aggressively. Um, you know, it could just play catch up, but uh, yeah, I, I definitely think it, it's one just to have as a hold for the time being. It is still in an uptrend, it's still growing revenues, still growing earnings, still expanding well into another region and a large region at that that. Um, So I think, uh, yeah, just be wary of this one, um, given its high valuation and some of those warning signs on the chart. Um, But yeah, hold for the time being. Yep. Okie dokes. All right. Let's
1: now get into nanosonics. And uh, well, it's a manufacturing distribution of a disinfection. Uh, Specifically, it comes up with a microwave sized device called Trophon, which um, sterilizes ultrasound probes without chemicals, also is another one that's subject to a regulatory approval in the States. Josh, what are your thoughts on nanosonics?
2: Yeah, this one was market darling at once upon a time. Yep. Um, however, I think COVID uh, you know, had a really big impact on this company and it's yet to really come back from that. So, you know, they really struggled to get into hospitals to do those product demos to uh, doctors and, and surgeons and whatever it may be to sell their product. Um, and it still happened. And then they've just started to recover from that. And there was a, you know, sort of fiscal slowdown from hospitals in terms of spending money on new equipment and things like that following those those periods, because obviously they'd spent so much money on you know COVID uh, prevention, um, you know expenditure there. So I just yeah, it, it's 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 a decent company that's really struggling in this environment over the last you know three four years we're talking now, um, and I just don't see the catalyst to fix that just yet. Overall, not too ecstatic on, on healthcare as, as a whole anyway, especially sort of a niche healthcare like this. So um, I'd have it as a sell just to de-risk again, sort of reiterating that point that if it's not great in this market, then there's no long, no need to be in it. There's, there's a lot of options out there. We're going to have a buoyant market, so it's not like it's necessarily going to hurt you too much, but there's there's better options out there. Yep. Luke?
0: Um, yeah, I, I agree with a lot of that. I, I think one of the things that sort of disrupted this business as well. So obviously, you know, being hospital healthcare exposed, COVID hits, um, you've seen some belt tightening in the in the healthcare budget space as well. Um, but nanosonics also changed their go to market. So previously, they had relied on GE over in the US to, as a distributor and a um Um, you know, customer facing um, role, they've brought that all in house. And so there was obviously a big strategic shift, which uh, from all I can tell appears to have gone quite smoothly um, as far as the numbers are concerned anyway. Uh, But nonetheless, you know, probably did did disrupt the business a little bit over that last sort of couple of years, um, factored in with everything else. Um, I agree with Josh though, I think this business is looking for a catalyst. Now, the one, Uh, the the one thing you can point to is, they are looking to release a new product called Chorus. Um, Now, if I look at the business and the valuation today, I think there's quite a lot built into Chorus being a success, Um, you know, particularly maybe even in the short term, let alone over a longer term. They they, they may need to hit the ground running here. Um, Management do a good job of breaking out sort of the core business versus what's being spent to develop this new product. Um, And if you break it out, the core business trades on about 37 times earnings now. There's some good growth there. It's nice and steady, good recurring earnings, that razor, razor blade model with the trophon units as you described, Andrew. Um, So that, that, you know, it deserves an elevated multiple, but 37 is quite high. Um, You know, I'd be looking to pick up that core business on maybe 20 to 25 times earnings. um, And particularly if you had a bit more confidence in chorus coming in over the top later on um, down the track. So for me, I'd probably hold it if you're there, I wouldn't rush to sell it just given the chart and where we are, Uh, but just be mindful that I think with the valuation where it is today, if there's any sort of sign that chorus and the commercialization of that product may have a roadblock or two, I think you see this share price come off quite sharply. I I suspect there's some chorus success already baked into what we're looking at today.
1: Yeah, that aligns with some of the broker's uh, assessment of the stock too. So perhaps beware in that respect. All right, let's uh, get into REITs again, this one being ARENA. Um, It's uh, focused there on childcare, healthcare, education, does have some solid government contracts, uh, which is clearly a positive. Luke, what's your view on ARENA?
0: Yeah, look, so it's split up into um, childcare and health. But if you have a look at the earnings of the business, it's essentially all um, early childcare, um, daycare centres. Now, I think being in that nice niche area, um, a little bit like storage before, it's held up better than a lot of peers um, over the last couple of years. Um, to the point where, when I look at the valuation of this business, I sort of scratch my head a little bit, Andrew. You're actually paying above NTA at this price. I think NTA is around three dollars forty, um, and it currently trades on a yield of about five percent. Now, that's not too bad, but but you know, given where um, term deposit rates are and um, you know, the the attractiveness of some of the other REITs, which again go back to that conversation on national storage, sort of said I would prefer some of the more beaten down ones that Perhaps offer a bit more upside and, and dividend yield here. Um, I sort of struggle to to pay the current prices today. I think the market, as I said before, is really focused on this is a nice solid niche. As you said, there's government support here. There's almost mandated price increases because of the government funding behind it. So, as an operating business, I can certainly see why the market is quite enthused by something like a um, an arena. Um, the thing that worries me is a, a bit like Nanosonics before. So much of that is in the price already that Um, I think you have to be a bit careful if there is any hiccups or or something goes wrong. So this is one, look, if you're ultra defensive, um, I think this certainly offers you that. I, I struggle to see anything going wrong with the operational side of the business. But if, if, you know, if you're a yield investor and you're looking for a bit more in that REIT space, as I said before, go and have a look around the ones that are a bit more beaten down. And, and you may have to take a bit more risk around office exposure or retail exposure or something like that, but um, potentially offers a, a much stronger dividend yield from these sorts of levels.
1: Yeah, that's a great view on uh, REITs at the moment. Josh?
2: Um, yeah, I agree for this one. It's upside from here is is probably fairly limited in terms of Compar- comparably to some of the other rates. Um, obviously, even even more fails in comparison to any other stock in the market as well. So, uh, look, it's gonna be slow growth. I don't think uh, necessarily gets Um, you know, beaten up from here too much. So I'd be okay to hold and and look to get that yield. Uh, But uh, yeah, just reiterate that there's there's probably better opportunities out there in the market than this one, given the the limited upside growth for for these guys, Um, just being so niche in that one particular area. um, You know, it's not an area that you can typically grow too much. Um, See, the costs of those sort of areas may uh, weigh on on the the demand side, but that's probably more of a long-term anecdotal thing.
1: All right, that is a double hold, uh, both making the point there perhaps there are other places to look if you want to get into REITs. Let's round it out with Helia. This uh, formerly known as Genworth Mortgage Insurance and uh, gross written premiums have slowed. I guess the question is what's going on
2: at a macroeconomic level here in particular too. What are your thoughts then, Josh, on Helia? Mm, It's obviously done quite well. Mm. Um, You know, it it gets that... um, premium from from consumers and very low low delinquency rates, especially here in Australia, half a percent. So they're continuing to grow their insurance book, actually, with those reoccurring revenues. Stock's breaking to to new highs. So obviously, it's been um, really, really quite strong. It's an interesting sort of uh, dynamic that they're going to face moving forward um, with that that LMI, um, providing that. Whether you know it's really um, possible for people to pay LMI on top of you know the higher interest rate environment that we're in now, they've probably experienced really good um, you know numbers for you know the cyclicality of their business over the last couple of years, and we're starting to see that flow through now once it's locked in, and you're getting that in very low default rates. So I think it's done extremely well. Um, you know, I'd almost be tempted to take some profits off the table, just noting that it could be quite cyclical in terms of how many new loans are taken up over the next few years, especially, uh, and especially those, um, you know, highly leveraged loans, particularly. So yeah, I'd have this as maybe a trim, if, if, if I can put that down um, and, and, you know, just to benefit from that great run it's had. Yep, nothing wrong with the trim. <laughs> a trim, a Luke.
0: Um yeah you look at the chart and, and your natural inclination is to say this has been a good run um you know do you take some profits the interesting thing though is you look at the fundamental result of the business it still looks quite cheap you know um they have done a, a 10% buyback um of the business over the last year and on top of that had a 6% dividend yield um and currently trades on a PE of about 5 times earnings so even after the run you know it looks exceptionally cheap now the big caveat to that, though, is these guys have a you know a range of factors that have all culminated for quite a strong tailwind uh, for the business. Um, as Josh points out, you know delinquency rates are, are remaining very very low, uh, which means they're unwinding some of the provisions that they took back during that COVID period. Um, and of course, being an insurer. The the interest they're able to accrue on that float that they get, they're now getting some some record um, record interest income. I think it was about 50 or 60 million dollars last year, which of course all falls to the bottom line. So, um, you know things have never looked better for someone like a, a Helia. You know previously Genworth, and um, I think that can attract a lot of investors, particularly when you you put that alongside the valuation and the and the capital return metrics here. But I actually agree with Josh. I'd be a little bit careful with this one. Um, as you point out, Andrew, gross written premiums have steadily steadily declined for some time. Now, that sort of will impact them in the future because they recognize revenue over time. So they've got a nice back book, you know, that means they'll they'll be fine for the next few years. But at some point, they'll need to replace that revenue that's that's been coming off quite steadily. Um, and I, I think it's safe to say delinquent delinquencies have to rise off the low base they are now. Now, where do they get to is hard to say, but you know I, I think there'd be a little bit more considering it was actually negative for these guys um, in the last half. They you know had fewer delinquencies than what they had provisions. so um, that will that will change at some point for someone like a Helio and I'd be a little bit cautious um, and so I agree with Josh, given the chart I'd probably take a bit of profits, wouldn't sell it all, but but maybe sell some given the run um, and just be cautious of that cyclicality and the exposure to uh, that, that housing market
1: yeah i think that is you're in agreement it's a uh, it's a double trim as such for helium then all right let's round out the second half of the show uh look at where we've been we began with site and uh josh uh we've well, got a buy on it and it's Saying it's it's a, a good business. Uh, this is in the hotels or services in terms of software there. Um, Luke pointing out it is expensive, but does see the growth potential. It's got a hold on it. In terms of mining services, uh, Mater Group, um, Luke saying, look, uh, sees strong growth there, but somewhat expensive. He's got a hold on it. Also a hold there from Josh. Uh, saying that it may have topped with uh, many, much of the good news already priced in. Nanasonics, uh, as Josh said, once the market darling, that is now past well and truly uh, post COVID in it, which has been struggling. Um, Josh saying it's sort of probably best to de-risk here. He's got to sell on it, whereas Luke has a hold. Arena Reit and um, Luke seeing somewhat overvalued. He's got a hold on it. Uh, Josh seeing limited upside there for it. Also a hold. And we rounded it out with Helia uh, seeing Josh there, a growing insurance book, uh, tempted to take profit, so he's got a trim. And Luke also trimming. Does look cheap, he says, but be careful. That is the show. Thank you to our guests. Josh, thanks for joining us, Magra. Thanks for having me. And Luke. Good to catch up with you again. Thanks for joining us at the Capital. Thanks, Jens. Good show. All right. Any stocks you'd like us to cover, go to osbiz.co forward slash picks or tweet us at AusBizTV. Join us again same time tomorrow. Planning for your next trip?